0: Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. Uh, that is why we're here, because the King has come and we are celebrating together. So it's a, a joy that we can gather, a joy that we can remember Jesus uh, and the birth of Jesus. So last week we talked about the cradle, the manger and Jesus coming. Now, this time of year is normally, I mean, it's 2020, so whatever. But normally this is the time when the best movies start coming out. And what's been really popular lately have been hero movies. So the, the Wonder Woman movie is coming out uh, Christmas Day this year, but all through these past years, you know, Marvel has gotten big, and these hero movies, I mean, we just love the hero movies, but what makes a a hero a hero? In general, when you watch these movies, it's when they they sacrifice the most uh, to save, you know, somebody undeserving or or something like that, Um, but sometimes we forget that there are real heroes. You know, I read a story of a Nigerian man about two years ago who was in a boat accident, Um, And there was, I mean, dozens of people in the accident, and he took it upon himself to dive in, and he saved 13 people. Go in, grab them, and go in, and the last one, he didn't make it back. Guy in his 30s, wife and kids, and and he saved. Everybody else was saved, but he passed away. He drowned. Or Maximilian Colby. maybe you've heard of this guy. During uh, World War II, he was in Germany, and he helped uh, sneak out many Jews, thousands of Jews, but then finally he ended up in Auschwitz. And while in Auschwitz, there was a man who escaped. And so to punish them and and to deter them from anybody else trying to escape, they took 10 men and they said, you're going to starve to death for the one that that escaped. And as they went through, they they just kind of picked him at random. And one guy they picked and he stepped out and fell on his knees. Oh, but my wife and my kids and this, this friar, Maximilian, stepped forward and said, I'll take his place. And he went instead. And as they starved to death, he was the last one. And they, they tell the, the, the witnesses, even the guards, tell the stories that when they would go in, he would be the one ministering to the others as they died. That's that's a hero. You know, a hero of sacrifice. And all these stories, really, the pattern they're pulling from is Jesus and the gospel. You know, we, we look at these stories and we see them, you know, Thor and the coming in strength. But here at Christmas, this is the great hero story of God saving us, but not coming in strength and power, but in humility. And meekness, not weakness, meekness in order to save. And it cost him everything. Again, last week we talked about the cradle. You know, Jesus coming, God taking on flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, uh, the beautiful picture of the baby in the manger. And this week we're moving to the cross so that on Christmas Eve we can move to the throne. Because the whole story of Christmas, the whole story of the gospel, God becoming flesh as a baby so that he could go to the cross so that he could sit on his throne, where he sits now. We're going to talk more about that Christmas Eve, so don't miss it. But today, we want to look at the cross. We want to focus on what Jesus did. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 1, so turn there if you would. Matthew chapter 1, in verse 18. If you need a Bible, we have a bunch back there. Uh, Or feel free to just flip over your phone or iPad, whatever it is. We're going to see here an angel speak to Joseph. Matthew 1, 18 to 21. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. You know, this is uh, one of those people we only see a couple times in scripture, Joseph, we see him here. We see him later when Jesus is 12 years old. And they go to Jerusalem to worship, and then they leave, and they're a day or so away, and they're like, where's Jesus? And they go back, they left him in Jerusalem. But then, we don't really see Joseph anymore. We know he's the father of James, who wrote the book of James, who became the leader of the Jerusalem church. Uh, he, he's, he's the father of, of others, but we don't see him much in here. He is the, the stepfather, the earthly father of Jesus. What, what a man this is, that God would choose him to be the father of his son here on earth. And being a just man, he, he's betrothed, he's engaged to Mary, uh, finds out she's pregnant, says, well, I'm going to divorce her quietly. You know, he's still trying to protect her, even in that. And the angel appears to him. And the angel gives him the instruction of what to name the child. Now, this is kind of cool. I mean, I love the way God works, but you see in Matthew and in Luke, two different genealogies leading to the birth of Jesus. One is through Joseph, and they believe the other is through Mary. Both Mary and Joseph were in the kingly line. So the king has come. Both of them were in that line from King David. And so Jesus really is a legitimate heir to the the throne of Israel. And so he appears to Joseph and he tells him, verse 21, She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, you know what the name Jesus is? It's the name Joshua. Joshua. So Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew Joshua. Joshua means literally Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh is the name of the one true God. When Moses, if you remember Moses, when he saw the burning bush, you know, and and God starts speaking to him, and Moses says, well, who are you? And he says, Yahweh. I am that I am. And so Joseph, or I'm sorry, uh, Jesus, uh, his name means Yahweh is salvation. So if you have the name Joshua... Way to go. Good job. Parents, Joshua is a good name to name your kids. Yahweh is salvation. And Christmas is the story, a hero story of God coming to save. And now this leads us to some questions, because here in verse 21, he will save his people. Here's the question. Why do we need to be saved? Why do I need to be saved? You know, w- we remember these stories And often we try and move past the the cross, but as Christians, we never move past the cross. Why do we need to be saved? Well, Joseph was told by the the angel, says he will save people from their sins. Now, sin is not a popular word nowadays. And a lot of churches too, throughout the decades, have gotten away from, from the word sin because the word sin carries this idea that there's something wrong with you. And we all know our culture right now Whatever you are is fine, and, and, and so don't tell somebody to be something they're not, whatever. Well, the word sin actually means there's something wrong with you. Sin literally means missing the mark. Now, to miss the mark means we need to have a mark, and so we can start very basically with the Ten Commandments, because you know, I've had conversations with people where I've said, you know, we've all sinned, right? You've sinned. and like, no, I don't think I've ever sinned. And it's like, wait, hold on, time out. <laughs> What do you mean you've never sinned? And they had no really concept of sin, which is why, part of the reason why we got the law, why Israel, Moses came to Israel and God gave them the law, is so they could understand the perfect standard that God has for his people. And here's just a few of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. Okay, no idols. Um, You know, in that, you see, we're made to worship. And if we don't worship God, we're going to worship something else, whether it's money, uh, whether it's ourselves whether it's a sports team, like the Bills. Um, but, but, you know, we're made to worship, and so we'll lean towards some of these other things. Or, or down, remember, the Sabbath day. How about this one? Okay, one of the Ten Commandments. Kids, look at me. Honor your father and mother. That's one of the Ten Commandments. So if, have you ever dishonored your father and mother? You've broken one of the Ten Commandments. How about this? You shall not murder. Oh, that one's easy. We haven't done that. This is where people often go, oh, I'm okay. I've never murdered anybody. Oh, I'm better than these people. You shall not commit adultery. Okay, good, I've never done that. You shall not steal, only one time. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. You see something that you just want. You covet what somebody else has. You go through those 10 commandments and you realize, no, I've broken some of those. Then you go to Jesus in the New Testament and he takes those commandments and makes them harder. He says, if you've ever looked at somebody with lust, you've committed adultery. If you're angry at your brother or sister, you're guilty of murder. So he then takes these outward actions and put them at the heart and saying, this is sin. God's standard is perfect. So sin means missing the mark. And so here's our our example. It, It literally means it's a word that would be used for shooting an arrow. So I'm armed and I got a target that I want to hit. And it's right back there. It's that fire thing on the wall. And so, you know, that's like God's perfection. And we're going to shoot. I just warn everybody in this area. Okay, I fell a little bit short. Sorry, Eric. I got really close that time. (laughs) Fell really short. You see, but this is the idea. That's what sin is. Sometimes we're not even trying to hit the target. We might be shooting at the wrong target. This is God's perfection. I'm just going to shoot over here. You know, of of whatever, a different religion, a different idea, being good. I'm going to just try and be good. But even when we understand who God is and we're trying to hit that, we can't. Now, this illustration falls short like all because I might have accidentally hit the target. But really, we can never hit the target of God's perfection. And that's what sin is. And Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, I had to do some really deep study into the Greek of what that meant. For all have sinned, and and this, I mean, you've probably never heard this. All means all. Everyone, for all have sinned. Everyone has fallen short. So why do we need to be saved? I'm glad you asked. Because you're helpless and hopeless. Every single one of us is broken because of sin. You know, you hear these debates, are people inherently good or inherently bad? You know, and I don't really engage in that debate. We are broken. You know, good or bad, we're broken. We're made in God's image, which is good. We all have indwelling sin, which is bad. We're broken. We need to be fixed. And you see here, for all have sinned, past tense. And really, you were born in sin because your parents sinned, and trace that all the way back to Adam and Eve. Thanks a lot. They sinned, and then we're, we're born in it. We're born into sin and fall short, present tense. Even now, even after salvation, you're not gonna perfectly meet his standard, which is why we need the cross, which is why we need Jesus. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, every worldview recognizes a problem, doesn't it? Even Marxism, ooh, we're gonna talk about that. Even Marxism, you know, it's an atheistic, there is no God, but the problem is people and and the answer is the state. So they recognize a problem. Every religion recognizes a problem and gives a solution. And here's the thing. A lot of people, now it's, it's popular to believe, as long as you are faithful to something, you believe something and go that way, you'll make it. And so it's God on the top of this mountain. We, we use this illustration a lot because it's a good one. God's up there, you know, or whatever it is, and we got to get up there. Whether it's through, through prayer and meditation or sacrifice or being really good, we're going to work our way up the mountain And whatever road you, know, you pick, you can get there. But what it is is, yeah, okay, there's a mountain, but it's all sheer cliffs on every side. And they're perfectly smooth. Even the best climber couldn't get up it. And we're hosed. And so God instead comes down the mountain. That's the cradle here. That's the manger. That God came down the mountain and became human for us. And here's what we, that means. We can't go up. I can't fix my own brokenness. That's what that means. I cannot fix my own brokenness. And man, don't we want to though? Don't we want to just fix it? It's so much easier if I'm in control. The thing about true biblical Christianity is you're hosed. You can't fix your own brokenness. So here's the picture. I got this guitar. Imagine, you know, this is a stringless guitar. Now I was going to do that, but it it would make the sermon way too long. But there's a guitar, no strings, and, and like a guitar, you know, an, an instrument. We are made to glorify God. Do you know that? You were created in God's image, to be in a relationship with Him, to sing His praises, actually sing. So you have to do that in a little bit. But that your your whole life is worship to God, and so it's like telling this guitar, hey, string yourself and play something good. What well, it can't. I mean, that's just silly. It's like, and that's like us trying to work our way or be good enough. We can't do it, and so you know, you get this guitar and you get it strung up, and and the whole point is that it's going to sound good, and, and and uh, you know, this is us trying really hard. You know, we can do it, and, and, and yeah. Paul saw me walk in with the guitar, and he was like, "Uh oh, what's happening today?" And so what you tell this guitar, "Hey, you're out of tune. Tune yourself. You're broken." Well. Obviously, it can't, and so we, we do a little work on it, right? You know, or really, we give ourselves to God. That's the whole message of the gospel. We give ourselves to God and let him do it, and then, then we can sound good. You know, we can be in tune. We can be what God made us to be. I'm not going to sing you a song. I'm not going to torture you that much. But, but you see that picture. We're a broken instrument that can't fix ourselves, so God came in order To fix us in order to make a relationship with him possible so that goes to the next question then what did God do to save me what did God do to save me well Romans 5 8 says this but God demonstrates his love toward us while we were still sinners Christ died for us that's a hero while we were still sinners literally still his enemies against him because sin is rebellion against God God is the legitimate Lord of all. He is king and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It might be on the way to judgment in the end or it might start now, but every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. He is king. He is king. And he demonstrates his love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the cross. That's what we're remembering today, the cross, that he died on the cross for us. Why did he need to die? So that goes to another question. Well, why did he need to die? If he's God, can't he just forgive all sins? Can't he just save everybody? He's not that way. The problem is he's he's good and loving, but he's also holy and just. You know, if a murderer went before a judge and the judge said, you are guilty, you know, the jury found him guilty. And then the judge just said, okay, you're free to go. That's not a just judge. And God is just So why did he need to die? Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. What is a wage? It's something you earn. You know, you work as a barista. You make your wage and your tips or whatever. You know, you work construction, you make your 20 bucks an hour, whatever it is. You work, you deserve to get paid. You sin, you deserve the wage, which is death. God told Adam and Eve in the garden. He actually told Adam before he even made Eve. Eat, enjoy this garden. Eat whatever you want. But that tree, don't eat from that tree. By the way, a little quiz. What kind of fruit was it? We have no idea. (laughs) You know, everybody says it's an, we have no idea. But it was just one thing. Why? Because God wants to be Lord God wants us to choose a relationship with him. If if we're robots, that's not a loving choice. That's not a relationship. So he just gave this one thing, and they chose to sin. They ate of it. And the wages of sin, God said, the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. They ate of it. Did they die that day? Not physically. They did die later, but that day they died spiritually. And everything was broken. The land was broken. You know, now they would toil in the dirt. Uh, uh, Birth was going to be painful now. The relationship between men and women was going to have issues now because of this. Sin broke all of creation. And the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. Meaning, we've sinned, we must die. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Free gift. He died on the cross. This is where we go back to the cradle. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Why is it so important that Jesus was born to a virgin? Well, if the wages of sin is death, it has to be paid. But it can only be paid by somebody perfect, meaning we can never pay it. It must be somebody perfect. Well, God is perfect. He's the only one perfect and and righteous. He's God. But God can't die. So how would God die? He had to take on flesh. Now, what we said before, you are born into sin. So now there's another conundrum. How can we have a perfect human? They must be not born into sin. So the virgin birth is central to our doctrine. The virgin birth is central to the gospel. We must believe that Mary was a virgin, conceived with the Holy Spirit, and Jesus was born without an earthly father. Otherwise, the whole gospel breaks down. Jesus, no earthly father, was not born into sin. Could he have sinned? Absolutely. Adam was not born into sin either, but he sinned. So Jesus chose to live a perfect life. He lived a perfect life. Therefore, he could be the perfect sacrifice. The spotless lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, John said. So what do I need to do to be saved? That goes to the next one. What do I need to do to be saved? Well, Romans 6.23 tells us it's a free gift. Ephesians 2.8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, Not by works, so no one can boast. What do we need to do to be saved? Well, it's by faith. There's no works involved. Faith, it's a trust. Now, here's the unique thing about the gospel, and something we need to understand. When Jesus died, on that cross, he took the sins of all mankind from all time. Even those who wouldn't choose him. For God so loved the world, all the world. Not just those who would be saved, but everybody that he gave his only son. So Jesus took the penalty, the payment, the wage. So those who reject him and end up in hell, they're paying their sins are being paid for double. It's already paid for. It's like a check that's been written out and all you have to do is take it. All you have to do is receive it, and we receive it by faith. And so here's another picture of that. You know, here's a stool. You know, the question is, do you think this stool can hold me? Do I think this stool can hold me. And I could look at it all day and say, Yeah, I think that could hold me. And a lot of Christians, a lot of people claim, yeah, I believe these things about God. Well, then entrust your life to Him. Well, that's too far. You know, I, I want to be a Christian, but I don't want Jesus to be the Lord. I still want to be in charge. So it's like this stool. Until I choose to sit on this stool, that's faith. And that's what God asks us to do: is place our place our faith in Jesus, Romans 10:9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. Sit on the stool. Believe he died on the cross and rose from the dead. Believe that his sacrifice was good enough for all your sins. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter anything about your past. This is what he did for us. And so at Christmas, we're remembering the cradle. Jesus came, took on flesh, had to, had to. So that he could go to the cross. So that he could sacrifice his life, his blood for you and for me so that we could have life. That's what we remember at Christmas. This hero story where God came not in power. He's going to come in power. But he came in in meekness, came in humility. So that then he could go to the throne. Christmas Eve is going to be great. Again, bring a friend. Because Christmas Eve we're going to look at Jesus on the throne. And who is on the throne of your life? He is king whether you recognize him as king or not. But he is king. And so as we move to worship now, I want to ask you, you know examine your heart. Where are you at with God? Have you accepted Jesus as Lord? If not, that's where you start. Christmas isn't just a fun holiday where we look at lights and and, and exchange gifts. It's where we remember God, the incarnation coming as flesh. Have you placed your faith in him yet? If not, let today be that day. I'm going to be in the back. Come talk to me. Or maybe something else is going on and you just want to pray. Come, come pray with me. I would love to. That's why I'm going to stand back there, not just for my health. But I want to be there for you. And we're going to go to uh, communion. And so now as we move to worship, if you've already given your life to Jesus, he is Lord. Just like last week, here's our great application. Worship. We are made to worship. We're, we're different instruments. We're different. You know, some of you are a guitar, some of you are a tuba, whatever. We are instruments made to glorify God, which is what we will do forever. And so my prayer has been, that's where we'll go, that our hearts will move to worship. As we remember the cradle and the cross, that we will honor Jesus, our King. So as we uh, move to worship, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. Now, the Lord's Supper is for believers only. You know, Jesus, the night before he was betrayed when he was having a dinner with his disciples, he said, do this in remembrance of me. And he instituted what we call communion or the Lord's Supper. And he took the bread and he took the cup. And he said, this bread is my body broken for you. He said, this cup is my blood spilled out for you. This is a new covenant, a new arrangement where I do everything and you get all the benefits. And he says, do this as often as you do it until I come again. And so as we take the Lord's Supper, You know, the the worship team is going to come up. They're going to start to play and start to sing. You don't have to jump up and sing right away. Sit there. Pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you maybe where you're off a little bit. Maybe where you're out of tune. God, show me where I'm out of tune. And God, help, help tune my heart to you. And then go take the Lord's Supper, remembering what he did. It's a celebration. It's a joyful, again, remembering his death and resurrection that gives us life. And so as we move to worship, let's do just that. Let's worship. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for Christmas. I thank you for this time when we can remember the good, good news that you have come. I mean, we read the stories, we read in Matthew and we read in Luke, and we see that night, you know, and and the picture of of the darkness uh, and of Jesus, you being born, and the angels appearing and singing. You know, the shepherds rejoicing and coming. Just this whole picture of what happened. That was a glorious, glorious night when you were born. A glorious night when, when, God, you broke into the fabric of creation. And you came here to show us how to live. So that you could then give your life for ours. We thank you so much. God, I thank you that I'm not supposed to hit the target. I thank you that I can't hit the target. Or I'd be living my whole life trying. And I'd be proud if I got it. Or ashamed when I don't, I'd be mostly ashamed. I'd I'd be always ashamed. So God, I thank you, Jesus, that you paid the price for us, that we could have life in you. Be honored now. Be glorified as we worship. Holy Spirit, stir our hearts. If any of us are a little bit hard right now to you, soften us. Maybe we don't normally sing. God, I I just pray that today would be a day where we, we sing or we listen to the words and truly worship you. You are worth it. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen you. Mm-hmm.